The following program is part of the Inner Circle Podcasting Group. Go to innercirclecomics.com for more This podcast is brought to you by the Eisner Award-winning Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and by listeners like you. Go to twoheadednerd.com and click donate now to become a supporter. Hey, this is Christopher Sabella, writer of High Crimes, and you're listening to the gross, gross sounds of Two-Headed Nerd with Joe and Matt. Broadcasting from the Ziggurat in Omaha, deep below the metro area, it's my pleasure to welcome you to the Landmark THN episode 220. Landmark? Landmark. It's an anniversary episode. Where we're talking comics and nerd news for the week of Wednesday, August 19th. My name is Matt Baum. That's Matt Baumstein on the Twitter. And when I'm not shooting down the love slaves' ideas and constantly making them cry at their desk, I am writing the Comic Speculator blog for WorthPoint.com. And I'm Joe Patrick. That's at JoePatrick116 on the Twitter. And when I'm not firing love slaves because of medical conditions they have no control over, I'm the manager of Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. This week, you hear our reviews of Welcome Back, number one, and Young Terrorists, number one. After that, we're going to review 10 of this week's new comics faster than Amazon can kill off their entire workforce during the ludicrous speed round. And then we'll visit the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where we'll be discussing Russia's new mystery sub with our buddy Red Rocket 7. And we're going to talk about a couple next week's comics, too. And finally... We're pushing Take a Look, It's in a Book, back a week so we can sit down in the comic studio with writer and buddy of ours, Christopher Sabella. Don't get too excited. I don't know if he's that fond oh, of you. Oh, he's our friend. He likes us. All that and more in this exciting episode. But before we get into it, people have been asking Joe and I, people have been asking, and while Joe and I try to keep politics completely out of the show altogether, <laughs> we have decided it's time to publicly endorse D's nuts for president in 2016 because we both like his straight talk. And you know what? He's not a politician. And if Warren G likes him, well, that's got to be good enough for me. It's good enough for me. Now, let's talk about this week's big news. We got big news. The body deep from within the deep D's nuts campaign. <laughs> this is Joe Patrick recording for THN. <laughs> Image Comics has announced the next creator-owned project from writer Sam Humphreys. Citizen Jack launches in November from Humphreys and artist Tommy Patterson. Image describes the new series as a horror comedy for anyone who hates politics. It's pretty much my favorite genre. (laughs) Here's the official solicit. Every presidential candidate has a skeleton in their closet. Jack Northworthy worships the devil. Big deal. A scandal-plagued small-town politician, Jack should in no way be president. But he's got a secret weapon, Marlin Spike, a malevolent demon of high ambitions. Together, they're running for president in an outrageous campaign that America will never forget. This is basically the Trump campaign. <laughs> it's exactly why I picked this news story. I hope Donald doesn't get a hold of this. He's going to be in trouble. <laughs> now, now, Matt, I have to admit that Sam Humphreys has been pretty hit or miss with me. Are you going to cast your vote? <laughs> You fired <laughs> for Citizen Jack. Oh, that was terrible. Thank you. Uh, I haven't had the same problems with Sam Humphreys. I really like him a lot, and this sounds like exactly the type of completely bonkers idea that we get out of him that keeps his comics fresh. I mean, I, you could never guess what he's going to do next. Think that's at- fair. Sam Humphreys is still very new and fresh, and I like that he's bringing crazy ideas like this to comics. I really enjoyed a lot of stuff he's done, both at Marvel and his creator-owned stuff. 
And I'm looking forward to this. It sounds completely nuts. I can't say I know Tommy Patterson. I recognize I, a name. No, I, I don't recognize him at all. Uh, their image released a preview, which was very funny. And the art has kind of a Nick Patara feel, uh, young Todd McFarlane. I did see that, yeah, and it looks uh, cool. It looks it looks good, and not in like a '90s cheese ball. No, 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 no. I mean, it looks way. it's it's very well drawn, and it was hilarious. So I'm looking forward to it. Sam Humphreys, I think if you search your heart and look back, you'll you'll see that he's got some misses here and here and there. But well, we all do. Come on, come on. Tommy Patterson drew some Game of Thrones, some grim fairy tales. Yeah, he draws the Game of Thrones uh, adaptation comics for whatever publisher that is. Isn't it Dynamite? It might be Dynamite, yeah. So Tommy Patterson is a New York Times bestselling artist. Yeah. yeah. I recognize his name. I wonder where it's from. Oh, yeah. The New York bestselling thing that he works on. <laughs> John Schnapp, director of the documentary, The Death of Superman Lives, started a huge rumor this week. During an interview with the Popcorn Talk Network. I know that's where I go to get all my celebrity news. Claiming insider knowledge, Schlepp said that none other than Mad Max Fury Road director George Miller will helm the next Man of Steel sequel as Zack Snyder gets busy ruining the Justice League. The idea doesn't come completely out of left field. However, before Miller's Mad Max revival, the director was attached to a Justice League film that was scrapped before Zack Snyder's Superman reboot started production. It actually... Uh, it was the popularity of the Dark Knight trilogy yes. that made Warner Brothers go eh, nuts to that. I remember this. Miller's Justice League was set to star several Mad Max actors, including Megan Gale as Wonder Woman and Immortan Joe himself, Hugh Kays Byrne as the Martian Manhunter. The project got far enough into development that it was storyboarded by THN favorite Steve Scrooge. Joe Patrick, assuming this rumor is true, you think Miller should get a second crack at the DC Universe? Here's the thing. I've heard that the script for this Justice League movie, which is out there, I heard it's not very good. Well. <laughs> maybe, I don't know if he wrote it, though. Right. And, and maybe he's just working with what they gave him. And it seemed it seemed to me that if you look back at the production and there's a lot of cast photos and stuff, it looked like they were kind of making this movie with all the young and beautiful people at the time, the early 2000s. So sure. like OC. Adrian, what's his face was in it? Adrian Brody? Adrian Brody is not the same no, dude. No. Adam Brody? Adrian, Adrian Brody. Yeah, Adam Brody is who you're thinking of. Yeah. Adrian Brody like won an Oscar for Adrian the Brody, right, right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's full of like OC stars and and uh, one of the guys that was in Heroes was going to play Aquaman. But it was going to be about uh, Maxwell Lord was going to be the villain and it was going to be about him like using his mind control powers to control Superman, which had just happened in the comics at the time. Yeah. Also looks like what might be happening in the next uh, Superman v. Batman movie. I don't know. Yeah, we don't know. I'm not Maxwell Lord, but some right. kind of uh, mind whammy. And the concept designs looked really faithful. So it may have been like they may have been going for a pretty faithful interpretation of the comics at the time. The the immediately post infinite crisis kind of era. Right. I don't know. I mean. All I know is that George Miller directed what is probably the best movie to have come out in the last six months. Yeah. Last year, easily. <laughs> and if they want to give that dude a, a free reign to make a Superman movie, I'm 100% for it. The only thing that worries me is like Snyder, 
Miller, I mean, who has also directed Happy Feet, so obviously he's got a lighter side. <laughs> well, even Mad Max is full of hope. I mean, I suppose, but it is a very, very dark movie. And this would be the studio attaching another director who is attached to a very dark, snarling look at the future to an extremely lighthearted good guy character. Are you going to get another Zack Snyder Superman movie? I where, see what you're saying. You know what I mean? That's what worries me. I loved I loved Mad Max, and I'm fine with Mad Max living in that dismal world. Superman, however, we did not love the last Superman film. No, we didn't. And we don't love the hard-edged look that they're giving everything. And and this might be more of that. I totally... I'm totally on board with everything. If it's true. Again, this right. is all... Who knows? I'm totally on board with everything you're saying, but... The darkness in Mad Max is uh, generated by the story. Of course. And and the circumstances of that world. The darkness in Man of Steel is generated by a group of suits that thought, man, it would be cool if Superman was more like Batman. And that's all I'm saying is I'm afraid this could be the continuation of that. And I, I think that Miller as a director would hopefully have the uh, skill to be able to draw the best parts of Superman out of that i mean this is just me like hoping for the best at this point if any of this is true if any of it's true at all but if you asked me who i'd rather direct the next man of steel movie Zack snyder or george miller i can tell you who i would pick it oh, would yeah. probably be george miller yeah i'm with you <laughs> in other film news the ufc's women's bantamweight champion ronda rousey has dipped her toe into the hollywood pond on more than one occasion she but was just in the colossal failure that was Entourage. She was also in <laughs> Furious Seven that's as true. that badass Israeli assassin that's or whatever true. she was. But now she set her sights on a superhero role. During a recent Reddit AMA, Rousey was asked which hero she'd like to play. Her response: Carol Danvers, aka Captain Marvel. Since then, Rousey has received a lot of support and encouragement from fans, including none other than director slash weed enthusiast Kevin Smith. Oh boy. In an interview with TMZ, Smith said, quote, Did you see her in that picture? Come on! You don't even need to think about it at this point. There's an image. We can see it. She looks amazing. Lord knows she's one of the only people who would play a superhero that could actually beat the shit out of somebody. I'd like to see it happen. She seems like she's got a good head on her shoulders. She followed her dream. And holy shit, she's an ass kicker. If that doesn't sound like a superhero, I don't know what is. And quote, Kevin Smith was referring to fan art that came out after the Reddit yeah. thing where yeah. they put her uh, head fans on. put her head on, on Captain Marvel's body and it does look good. Now I have a hard time being objective when it comes to women that can kill me with their bare hands. Do you want to see Rousey suit up as Captain Marvel? No. Me neither. She is not an actress and Kevin Smith is a moron. Kevin Smith is the same guy that went on record telling us how much we're going to love the Daredevil movie that his buddy Ben Affleck is in. Like, I can't even think of all the stupid shit Kevin Smith has said. It's true. Why we would go to him and get excited, you know? Like, this is nothing against Ronda Rousey as, it's a, nothing as against a person. Her. I think Ronda Rousey's a very talented athlete. I think she's a total badass. When she showed up at WrestleMania, I giggled. It was great. She's not an actress. Yeah, I have a hard time getting pumped up about athlete casting she's, you know that when she's they not an actor they came out and they said oh dave batista is gonna play drax and, I, and, I, and my instinct was Ugh. right he was great in guardians of the galaxy because they used him the right way and so give her a chance to prove herself in a in a in an actual speaking acting role i'm all for that don't put her as the lead character in no. your first ever female centric no. she's superhero not, movie she is not ready for that just because she looks cool and kicks ass yes 
absolutely not and and you've got it in the notes i would much rather see emily blunt playing yeah that's role. like She'd i think a fan it. favorite rumor is emily blunt would for kill captain it. marvel and you know and there was also everybody have was, you seen edge of tomorrow yeah holy fantastic and she was a total badass yes now there was the other rumor about uh what's her head from battlestar galactica Katie Sackhoff. There's another rumor about Katie Sackhoff. And I would say the same thing about Sackhoff than the same about Rousey. Sackhoff is a perfectly good TV actress. She is not big name, big budget. Actress. I don't really think she's the, all I that great. I don't think she can carry the weight. I thought she was fine on Bowser Galactica, but. And I agree, she has blonde hair. <laughs> she looks the part. Yeah. yeah I like, you guys have to stop. Well, she looks cool. Like, right. she looks like Captain Marvel. It takes more than that. And yeah. if you're going to carry a vehicle as important as their first female driven superheroine film, we need a real actress that can knock it out of the park. And I'm sorry, Ronda Rousey is not that actress. Somebody that can stand next to Robert Downey Jr. Right. and Chris Evans. Right. And not look ridiculous. And Samuel L. Jackson and look like they belong. Yes. Hey, ladies! Funky. That is the big news for this week. If you'd like to discuss these stories and everything you think we missed, head over to the THN forums where new user R. Rousey had some interesting things to say about our comments this week. R, I assure you, it was all Joe. Every week, my silent heterosexual life mate Joe Patrick posts the question of the week in the THN forums for you stoner nerds to mull over between bong rips. Joey, what are we asking the listeners this week? All right, this week's question is, choose one comic book character then give us your dream casting for the character's inevitable leap to the silver screen now we're preferably looking for characters that haven't been churned through the hollywood machine just yet but if you can make a good case for recasting an existing role then lay it on us fun this isn't something so difficult and and distracting as cast the entire justice no, league no, no, just pick one dude pick one character that you love from comics and one Actor that you think would be great, make your case. I love it. You have until 5 p.m. Central Time this coming Friday, August 28th to get us your answer. You can call and leave a message using Skype. The handle there is two-headed nerd, all one word. Or you can call the Ziggurat hotline, 402-819-4894. And if you're feeling fancy, you can send an MP3 to two-headed nerd at gmail.com. Whatever you choose, you've got two minutes. That's a hard and fast rule. That's how it goes. Unless we're like really caught up in the moment. That's how it is, yo, and that's how it goes. If you need more time than that, we've got a whole website where you can go. It's called the THN Forums. We've got a question of the week subsection. You can write your full answer. It you is your oyster. Interact with your fellow listeners. It's a magical place. It really is. And we built it just for you. That's right. Then you can tune in next Thursday to hear you and your fellow listeners on the THN Answer of the Week podcast. I don't know why we bother with this piece of when we have that thing. Don't we, it. It's review time on THN where Matt and I squeeze the juice out of two of this week's new comics and check their vitamin content. Matt, what are you sipping this week? I am sipping on the very health conscious and good for you, Young Terrace, number one, from Black Mask, written by Matt Pizzolo, with art by MNK. I'm sorry I'm pronouncing your last name like this. Nahulpan. There's no way that's how it's pronounced. Look, we went through these growing pains yeah, last yeah. week with Boy One, so just <laughs> let her rip. This was 80 damn pages. It's thick. For $6.99. I was not prepared for it to be this thick. I wasn't either. If you want to sell comics these days and you don't own the rights to Batman or Deadpool, then step one is coming up with a catchy little title. How about Young Terrorists? That's good, right? Yeah. And with kids leaving their parents to join ISIS in the news, it's topical too. But this isn't that kind of terrorism. 
There is a lot to like here, and it begins with MNK's art. This is not a happy story, and his dark, very hard-edged art is perfect. Pozzolo gives us three different people from three different backgrounds, and MNK does a great job making each of their worlds look a little different. The main character, Sarah, comes from money, but is suddenly ripped from her rich girl life when her globalist... I don't know if he's like a weapons dealer or some type of crime kingpin or perhaps terrorist himself. Father is assassinated and she is dropped into Gitmo with some of the world's most dangerous terrorists. She literally grows up in Guantanamo, becoming a de facto supervillain through constant beatings and abuse. She turns herself into a Ronda Rousey with a dreadlocked mohawk and later in life starts collecting others abused or forgotten by the system for her own personal army. MNK separates each of these stories with very subtle coloring tricks that work very well. And he's got some extremely intense action scenes in this book, some of which were really hard to look at. This was great, really great art. And he's a busy guy. He's doing like four other books at the same time. These creators aren't shying away from any subjects here. And I like that. One of the other, one of the other characters in the book is a young homeless man turning tricks at a truck stop just to survive, he spends a good chunk of this book naked. <laughs> and it's through this character that we are pulled into Sarah's world. In the meantime, there's this online self-styled quote-unquote journalist and fearmonger Christopher Johansson of Infoside.com. Johansson is very much modeled after Alex Jones and his bullshit InfoWars site. He's following the movements of Sarah's new internet fans and the subtle messages that are sent out to other would-be recruits that watch her fight in their anarchist fight club broadcasts, followed by this hot girl-on-girl action. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) This is where things got a little weird with the story. I love the idea of the fight club-esque fantasy where a group of misfits and self-styled terrorists decide to fall off the grid and create their own safe haven from wherein they can strike back at the system that wronged them. But things got a little weird once we dug into it. I was on board and really enjoying the action, the politics, the brutality, the real world building. Then, as we're pulled into the compound, we learn that some of the characters may be cloned from mushrooms. Sarah is using her online fight club where she may or may not be killing people on the internet and taking inhuman amounts of abuse to get people interested in their anarchist collective like they're uh, like they're using the the sexy mushroom clones to brainwash the people that watch the fight videos right with very subtle messages that are tattooed on their back and branding on their face and uh oh also she uses little drones like helicopter things to fly around (laughs) she's like a modern day mary poppins it's really weird (laughs) i appreciate that this is an 80 page monster of a story with a lot going on but the sudden strange sci-fi elements pulled me right out of it like i said there was a scene where sarah and another character literally grab onto a small drone and fly away i know what you're thinking matt you read superman comics why is this so hard to swallow it's because of the suspension of disbelief it wasn't that sort of story right. until about 60 pages the in. The characters built a very recognizable world that you can see anytime you turn on any cable news network, and suddenly 
truly bizarre sci-fi story elements are introduced for what seems like no reason at all. I like what's going on here, but I wish a story would have stayed more real world. It doesn't need the clones. It doesn't need the weird psychic internet thing that may or may not be happening. And it doesn't need the future tech. The premise is good enough to just tell this story. It forces me to give it a skim it. Here's where I'm at with it. If they had said, yes, at the end of every fight, we have this sexy girl on girl sex show and we put secret messages on their bodies. Yes. And we are sending those messages out on in person encoded. And certain people are going to know what it means. Right. And you're not and you're not trying to tell me that you're somehow psychically manipulating them or that they are girls cloned from mushrooms. Yeah. Why is that element in the book? Why is that part of the book? You don't need to make that jump. You just don't. Right. Like I would have been fine with it. But the second they got to the sex stuff and the mushroom girls and then, yes, the drone, the drone thing at that point was the least confusing element of the book. I suppose. But because I mean, at like, least a drone is real and I know what it is that she's doing. But, but yeah, they when don't I do that, no, I know, I know, but I'm just saying like, <laughs> I think it may as well have been a talking robot dolphin. By the time they got to the drone thing, I was already pulled out. Yeah, I was already like, like what, 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 what is happening in this right. book up until that point? I loved it. Yeah. It was very fight club. It was very like Tyler Durden, like everyday anarchy. Like we can do this stuff and f- with everybody and then it just got so weird in you know for no reason yeah i agree i agree it it pulled me out and maybe there is a reason and maybe they'll get to it but this is an 80 page book and they spent literally the length of three comics in a very grounded world yes a very grounded brutal violent unfair world with believable characters and believable consequences and not even near future this looks like today right and then they just took a complete left turn. Yeah, went all Grant Morrison, like out of nowhere. And it it just yanked me out. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. And I'm giving it a skim it too. I'm I'm hoping I'm hoping that Pizzolo, you know, pulls it all together, and maybe there's a reason for it. And with future issues, it'll all make sense. But right now, yeah, like if next issue we find out she's lying to him about the clones, it's all. It, they dosed him with drugs or something they're trying to keep it yeah, to, I mean, you know, whatever like, fine <laughs> but yeah just right now though i was left scratching my head wondering what the hell happened yeah so it's a skim it tell me about welcome back joe patrick i'm going to and we're going to talk about it more later you're not my real dad <laughs> this is from boom studios written by christopher sabella with art by jonathan brandon sawyer colors by carlos zamudio it's 32 pages for 3.99 Here's your solicit. Mally and Tessa have lived hundreds of different lives throughout time, caught up in an internal cycle as they take part in a war so old that neither side remembers what they're fighting for anymore. As Mally wakes up in her newest life, she suddenly becomes self-aware and starts to question everything, especially why she continues to fight. But elsewhere, Tessa is already on the hunt. Regular listeners will remember that Matt and I have been excited about this book for a while now, and that we've been following the steady rise of Christopher Savella's career. Welcome back is Sabella's latest creator-owned series, this time with artist Jonathan Brandon Sawyer, who some will remember from the Black Mask series critical hit. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. The first issue begins with Mally being hit with a flood of visions, not of her past lives, but of her thousands of brutal deaths. 
What she doesn't know at the start is that these aren't just dreams, they're memories. And from there we learn of the troubled history of her current incarnation. She's the underachieving stepdaughter of a notorious serial killer, the Omaha Ripper, thanks a lot Sabella, trying to hide from her past and those that would try to sensationalize it and latch onto her like parasites. While she's found some true friends in her new life, she self-medicates and throws herself at a lover she doesn't really care for in an attempt to push the world out. As her visions get worse and she's finally thrown back into the ages-old conflicts she didn't know she was a part of, Mally finds that there's more to her life and her infamous stepfather than she realizes. Sabella wastes no time throwing us into Mally's life and within a few pages I already cared about her history. Meanwhile, the relative normality of her existence is contrasted with that of the badass Tessa, another sequel as the reincarnated are known, that's more in control of her abilities and memories. Sabella weaves Tessa and Mally's scenes together, pointing them both toward their inevitable confrontation. I love Jonathan Brandon Sawyer's art here. It's got a bit of a cartoony slant, but it's very kinetic and very exciting. Every single page is completely packed, and Sawyer makes excellent use of the space. He uses a thicker line and a shading technique that kind of reminds me of Sean Murphy's work. Okay. I was reminding me, remember that guy, uh, what was his name? Rob G is the artist. Rick Spears is the writer. Rick, Rob G. Yeah. Rob G was the artist. Very much reminded me of that kind of style. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. Sort of like punk rock, trashy, heavily shaded, dark line. Fair. Yeah, very cool. Carlos Zamudio's color work is a good fit for Sawyer's art, switching seamlessly between warm and cool hues as the story dictates. I loved this comic. And I was bummed to find out that it's only a four-issue miniseries. I was really curious about Welcome Back when it was announced. Now I can't wait to find out where it goes from here. Huge buy it. Okay, don't be bummed, because Boom has been doing a lot of this, where they say this is a four-issue miniseries. They look at the sales, and if it's doing well, they go, not anymore, it's ongoing. Sure. Wait, right. So right. Not everything can be you number one it? in an unlimited... Right. Uh, yeah. You introduce it as a four-issue limited series... And then if it doesn't work out, the the creators can quietly go do something else and it doesn't get canceled. You know what I mean? Which is nice. I also very much enjoyed this. It was a lot of fun. I love the way Sabella takes a character and does these little tiny things to make them very believable. He doesn't have to make them wackadoo crazy or Deadpool funny or it, it doesn't accentuate anything. It's very gentle. She drinks too much when she goes to parties and she loosens up and can be herself in front of strangers because she's not scared of it, you know, at that moment. Yeah. I can relate to that. I get that. You know, like that's a real person. It was very cool. And at the same time, there's this huge, fantastic story going on. This is so different from what he did in High Crimes, which we both very much enjoyed and gave an excellent review. I'm really excited to see more of this too. So that's a double skim it for Young Terrorist number one and a double buy it for Welcome Back number one. As always, we want to know what you reincarnated radicals thought of these comics, so blow up the THN forums with your opinions by clicking the forum button at twoheadednerd.com. I see you did there. Blow it up. Huh? Blow it up. Huh? By now, you've probably heard a lot of the horror stories about working at Amazon. What you might not know is there's a more sinister element at play. With the help of our unnamed inside man, we'll call him Agent Sexier, for the sake of his own protection, we've uncovered a plot by the Amazon Illuminati to sacrifice their entire workforce as part of a blood offering to the horror... 
to the horrific hydra-headed demon of commerce they believe lies sleeping under their headquarters in Seattle. Now, join Joe and I as we extract our agent and detonate a series of charges that will drop the entire headquarters under the sleeping demon below, ending their demonic plot and saving us from free shipping on items we could probably pick up at any corner store. Like, why do I have to wait two days for a box of band-aids? Ridiculous. Joe, we've got just under five minutes to review ten of this week's new comics and get Agent Sexier to safety before this whole place blows. It's time for the ludicrous speed round! I don't know why I picked band-aids. It was a <laughs> Look for speed. Go! Oxymoron, the loveliest nightmare number one from Comics Tribe. Joe pointed out that this is actually part of the Red 10 universe? I think so. I did not know that. I just thought the main character seemed a little familiar. This seems to be the story of a psychotic Joker-type character that is haunting the life of a cop with some type of disease that requires her to medicate daily. Our female police lead is returning to the force after her partner was killed, I'll let you guess by whom, and takes us on a fairly predictable ride with bad 80s mean cop and disgraced cop dialogue, followed by some graphic violence. Not great art or story, but not terrible either, given his skimming. Howard the Human, number one from Marvel. Scotty Young and Jim Mafood team up for an absurd detective story set in a domain where Howard is the only human surrounded by animals. This is the kind of event tie-in I love, one that says f*** it and uses the basic premise of the event to tell the most insane story possible. It was great. You don't need to have read a single page of Secret Wars to enjoy it. Buy it. Right on. Hip-Hop Family Tree number one from Fantagraphics. This one's tough. If you haven't read Ed Piscor's Hip-Hop Family Tree online for free at boingboing.com or checked out the beautifully collected editions that Fantagraphics has been putting out, here is your chance to sample the goods for $3.99 in a monthly floppy format which is cool for new readers, but there really isn't much need for people like me who follow the free online comic and already buy the collections to pick these up. I love this so much that I'm giving it a buy it for those unfamiliar, but there's just not enough for me to buy it monthly. So a qualified skim it? Yeah, I don't know what to do with that one. Secret Wars, Secret Love one-shot from Marvel. This is a goofy little one-shot exploring some of the troubled romances of Battleworld. <laughs> I thought all the stories were pretty good. But Michelle Fifa's Daredevil Typhoid Mary story set during the Nocenti Ramita Jr. Inferno era. Oh, God, I love that story. Is worth the cost of the book on its own. I really liked this issue. I'm giving it a buy it. House of M, number one from Marvel. Because we didn't have enough X realities on Secret War Battle World, now we get the House of Emma-verse, where Magneto is king and his royal family is a bunch of rich brats who are routinely trying to hold down human terrorists who happen to be a group of B-list Avengers and Hawkeye with the help of Sasquatch. Not a mutant. Not a mutant, right? The art and story are fine, but there was nothing stand out here that adds to the larger story, just more of the Marvel world if blank never ended. Boring and too much a good thing is still not a good thing. I'm giving this a leave it. TMNT, Amazing Adventures, number one from IDW. I thought I'd check out this new cartoon tie-in because the cover caught my eye. I like writer Landry Walker, and there's a backup story by one of my favorite cartoonists ever, James Kolchaka. Oh, Sadly, the cover artist didn't draw the interior art. That's the number one lesson, never judge a book by its cover. Mm -hmm. My own fault. And the art inside was just okay. The Kolchaka backup, while fun to see, was pretty slight. Still, I think it's neat how each turtle has a slightly tweaked appearance beyond the colored masks. Like Donatello has this weird gap in his teeth. Like they all kind of look different. Okay. 
That's clever. Which is a, a smart idea on the oh, part not of the, just the guy with the sword, the guy with the yeah, knife. Yep, it's a smart idea on the part on the part of the animators. Okay. And Walker's lead story was fun, so I'm giving it a skim it. All right. Superman Wonder Woman number 20 from DC. For those of you not paying attention, Superman had his identity revealed by the Daily Globe, and he's so pissed about it, he changed back into his Grant Morrison jeans and t-shirt that none of us cared about when the New 52 started. That's not true. Regardless. Lots of people cared about it. <laughs> writer Pete Tomasi is doing a bang-up job on this title, and artist Doug Mankey is solid on pencils as ever. We get an interesting conversation between Soups and Steve Trevor that leads to a conversation with Obama himself and... A somewhat awkward and brief fight with Parasite that the book really didn't need. The best part of this comic is how badass Tomasi writes Wonder Woman, and the last page had me smiling a little bit. Wow. Giving us a buy it. All right. Astro City number 26 from DC Vertigo. Kurt Busiek, Brett Anderson, and Alex Ross celebrate the 20th anniversary of Astro City. Sounds crazy. I, right? But not for the reason you think. I, I feel like Astro City has been around forever, but oh. it's only been 20 years. Okay. With a story that calls back to the very first issue of the series, when he sleeps, the Samaritan still dreams of flying, only now he's not alone. I'm extremely behind on the series, so I haven't been reading the current run, but I picked up this issue, and it was like going home again. If you've never read Astro City, do yourself a tremendous favor and check it out. Buy it. Fedor, number one, from Hick and Hawk. Fedor is the true-ish story of a circus freak named Fedor Heftichu, maybe? A.K.A. Jojo the Dog-Faced Boy, who actually was a man entirely covered with hair that traveled with a European circus company in the late 1800s and early 1900s. Here we get a delightful love story of a hairy man and a tattooed woman that met at the circus and their brief encounters later in life. Pat Kelly writes and illustrates this sweet story of two freaks making their way in society and his off-kilter, sometimes almost paramecium-looking characters. <laughs> They're very blobby. Make this story seem like a romantic fairy tale. I loved this. I'm giving it a huge buy it. The Yankee, number one from Floating World Comics. Solicit. The Yankee is a dumb American. He's Cosmo Vitelli. He's Prince Rogers Nelson. He's a Richard Pryor monologue, psychedelic economic fiction set in the nation states of America. Okay. Reality is just a part of your brain. Okay. The part that you can touch. Oh, okay. Good news. <laughs> the comic book made just as little sense as that last paragraph. There's a narrative in here somewhere, but I couldn't really find it buried underneath all of the surrealist navel-gazing. The Starenko-inspired art by Ian McEwen was pretty cool, but not enough to save Yankee number one from getting a leave it. Sounds like it was over your head. Look, man, if you can read it and get something productive out of it, then more power to you. I thought it was bull. Shlurp. That is your Lucas speed round. And Shlurp is the sound of the toad trying to get frisky with the black cat. As seen this week in the pages of House of M, number one. Of course, we want to know what you thought about all these damn comics. So, moisten us with your opinions over at the This Week's Comics section of the THN forums. That sounds disgusting. Yeah. There's a new high-tech Russian submarine patrolling the cold ocean depths, and if you believe what you read online, it has all manner of experimental future tech on board, and maybe even time travel capability. Hey, why not? 
Sick of the conspiracy theories spreading online, Matt and I have invited our good friend Red Rocket 7 to the Sanctum Sanctorum for vodka on the rocks and some straight sub talk. Matt, if I remember correctly, it's polite in Russia to start a serious conversation with a drink and some talk of next week's comics. It's true. Little known fact. What are you planning on reading next week, comrade? Next week, I am picking up Drive, number one from IDW, written by Michael Benedetto, with art by Antonio Fuso. Here's your solicit. A hard-boiled pop culture sensation recreated for comics in LA. There's one man you want behind the wheel. Just tell him where and when. He doesn't take part, doesn't know anyone, doesn't carry a weapon. He drives, and he's the best. Right along as James Salas, lean, new noir masterpiece, good God, unfolds onto the sun-bleached streets of Los Angeles in this exciting four-port comic book adaptation. For those of you who don't remember, Drive was a movie. Yeah. With one of the most attractive men in Hollywood. Yeah, he wore a jacket with a scorpion on it. Uh, Ryan Gosling. Gosling. Ryan Gosling. He did wear a jacket with a scorpion on it. I still want that jacket. I love the movie. I'm looking forward to this. It looks fun. Drive's a good movie. Yeah, it was. It was a violent movie. Joe yeah. Patrick, what are you reading next week? Next week, my pick is Shield, number nine from Marvel Comics, written by Mark Wade and Various. I love their work. And art by Jack Kirby. Um, Lee Ferguson. Okay. And Various. <laughs> I'll get to it. I'll all get right, to it. Right, okay. Here's your solicit. Oversized anniversary issue. Wade, Ferguson, Kirby, Steranko. Uh it! <laughs> A commemorative 50th anniversary story that spans the past and the present and unites Phil Coulson and Nick Fury Sr. in a unique cross-time adventure to answer a riddle that lies at the heart of the origins of S.H.I.E.L.D. Who is the man called Death? Includes a sequence penciled by Jack Kirby and inked by Jim Steranko that has never seen print as part of a story before. Whoa! Yeah. Bullet! Plus, the return of Dum Dum Dugan! And the birth of the new Howling Commandos. Whoa. If you thought what happened to him in an Original Sin was bullshit, then this is the comic for you. <laughs> the very first S.H.I.E.L.D. story from 1965 and the pilot presentation sequence that inspired the creation of S.H.I.E.L.D. Awesome. Sounds fun. This sounds great. I think the S.H.I.E.L.D. book, which is based on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., the TV show, is okay. It's kind of fun. It's Mark Wade. It's just goofy. Yeah. But this is the 50th anniversary celebration of actual Shield, the organization. Our Shield. Nick Fury Sr., Jack Kirby art that's never been seen. Come on. What more do you want? You check jerk. it out. Seriously. The THN trade of the week goes to Space Dumplings, Volume 1. Ah, space Dumplings. Pardon me. No G. Space Dumplings, Volume 1 from Scholastics Graphics, written and illustrated by Craig Thompson. You know him, you love him. 320 Get pages. Get a load of this. For 15 bucks? My God. You gotta be. Not even 15. It's 14.99. Here's a solicit. Highly acclaimed graphic novelist Craig Thompson's debut book for young readers about a plucky heroine on a mission to save her dad. For Violet Marlock, family is the most important thing in the whole galaxy. So when her father goes missing while on a hazardous job, she can't just sit and do nothing. To get him back, Violet throws caution to the stars and sets out with a group of misfit friends on a quest to find him. But space is a vast and dangerous place, and she soon discovers that her dad is in big, big trouble. With her father's life on the line, nothing is going to stop Violet from trying to rescue him and keep her family together. Space Dumplings weaves themes of family, friendship, and loyalty into a grand space adventure filled with quirky aliens, awesome spaceships, and sharp commentary on our environmentally challenged world. Saw that coming. For the grown-ups. <laughs> Craig Thompson, you could have just said dot, dot, dot. Yep. 
The end. Buy yep. it. <laughs> <laughs> but I did. I went to his blog and I saw some. Here's the thing about Craig Thompson. He puts out books that are published by quote unquote real publishers. Yes. Schoolastic. Yeah. Uh, his last book, uh, Habibi, came out from Pantheon Books. These are not, it's not like coming out from Dark Horse or DC or whatever. No offense to those publishers. Yeah, it's not taking anything away from them. But it's so far outside our normal sphere of information that right. I didn't know this book was real until I saw it on the website. Wow. So, of course, I picked it and I got a copy on the way. All it's right. going to be great. All right. And I looked at his blog. And if you think that he's going to tone it down because it's a kid's book. No, he'll leave you crying. Holy cow yeah. it is gorgeous he's gonna get you it's Don't gorgeous worry. just the design of the ships alone i can't imagine yeah i'm excited to read this as it turns out the new russian super sub is just a glorified sports car for vladimir putin who's having a midlife crisis like only a russian billionaire can know what kind of babes you can pick up with a super sub you know <laughs> all the babes i guess <laughs> so stop worrying about super subs and head over to the thn forums and tell us about what you're excited to read next week sometimes our stupid calendar systems throws off the sweet four-week schedule we have here at THM so we had to get a little creative this week we're going inside the comic studio with writer Christopher Sabella Christopher Sabella hit the comic scene in 2011 co-writing Screamland for Image Comics before moving on to a myriad of other projects like Ghost and Aliens vs. Predator Fire and Stone from Dark Horse Captain Marvel from Marvel Comics and his own creator-owned series, Dead Letters, from Boom Studios. Currently, he's writing Escape from New York, also from Boom, a hardcover of High Crimes, his Eisner-nominated digital series with artist Ibrahim Mustafa, was just released through Dark Horse. We reviewed it on the show. We loved it. And the first issue of his new book, Welcome Back, came out just this week. You may remember us gushing about it a few minutes ago. His beard is divine. He's got the nicest mom in comics. Chris, welcome to the ziggurat. Thank you very much for having me. I guess I should have told you the ziggurat is what we call our studio. <laughs> we just assume everybody knows. I'm just rolling with it. It's very early. So Your mom does live in Omaha, so I didn't. I wasn't just saying that. I have met the woman, and she is a nice lady. Yeah. She comes into Legend Comics and Coffee from time to time. She's a big fan of your work. Uh, she's kind of obligated to be, but yeah. <laughs> now, we did call you out for not sending her copies of your work. She has to go and buy them at the local comic shop. I mean, really, man. No, I, I have a, <laughs> I set up a pull box for her. Okay. Uh, like, I bought all her comics uh, up until recently. Like, I was buying all the copies of my work for her. So, Aww. it's basically the same as, like, shipping stuff. It's just theoretically more convenient yeah he doesn't have to deal okay. with the post office okay that's sweet we misjudged you for that we apologize no, you misjudged <laughs> you misjudged him i was well aware of the situation who do you think said it all i didn't up? know he's a mama's boy he looks scary look at him i mean come on <laughs> so earlier in the show chris we talked about welcome back spoiler alert Spoilers. i thought it was amazing we both really liked it awesome oh uh, so where did the inspiration for welcome back come from yeah i i went back and tracked it down because i was kind of curious myself and I have like one mention of it in a notebook from 2012, like January of 2012. And all I have, all I wrote down was the words reincarnation dash, uh, we come back. Um, and I think I added the parenthetical L shortly after that. And really that's like, I didn't know what to do with it at that point. Like I knew it was going to be about using the reincarnation thing as a way of like having a, a, like an assassin sort of tracking a target. Um, but I, I couldn't, I couldn't figure it out. Um, 
and it wasn't until I started working with Boom and, and working with Jonathan and Brandon Sawyer that uh, really like the whole story like kind of popped into my head. Up until then, it was just like, no, it's like it's reincarnation, and like, but I couldn't explain like, well, why are why are they have to die and come back? It was, it's very complicated. I always pick these concepts that like where I have there's no, it's not technically real. Um, so I have to like make up a whole belief system and like how this stuff works. Um, and that's the stuff I get hung up in that stuff. And then like, I forget like, Oh, right. I have to make a story too. (laughs) Now, is this how your process always works? Do you just start with a real basic idea? Like you said, reincarnation and you go, all right, I'm going to do something Uh, about that. Or is it, does it vary based on what you're writing? It varies. Um, like for high crimes, like I knew I wanted to do an Everest book for a long time. Um, and for, for at least like a year or two, all I had was like somebody firing a gun in the Kumbu icefall. And then, yeah, that just sort of like piecemeal came together. And then I had, and then I trashed a lot of stuff. And then, so I don't know that I really have a, my process basically is like, I get an idea if I get stuck on it enough that I think there's something there, then I will, uh, I have a stack of blank composition notebooks that I buy during back to school sales. And if I think it's good enough to warrant it, then I give it its own notebook and I basically just start like writing stuff down longhand, just sort of anything I'm thinking about and sort of, yeah, that's the way I kind of figure out like, Oh, that's what this is about or, or any parts of the story beyond whatever like initial concept I came up with. It's a very slow, tedious process sometimes. Both High Crimes and your latest book, Welcome Back, are super high concept. And while it doesn't seem like Welcome Back required the same amount of research that you went into, like with the very real world story of High Crimes, did you do a similar, was it a similar research process or did it just kind of float together fiction wise this time? Well, I I approached it with the same like commitment to research, but you know, like, researching reincarnation is like then suddenly you're just researching like religious beliefs right so but i still yeah i did a lot of that like i did a lot of like compare and contrast sometimes it takes me a long time to figure out like hey you're totally screwing yourself up you're like purposely sticking yourself in this hole when you should be moving on to something else right um so yeah, for a long time, I think I was just so caught up in the minutia of like, well, how does reincarnation work? And like, why does this happen? That I, I kind of completely blanked on like, oh, like what is the human element of this? So yeah, I'm trying to get better about like picking my battles before I start a book, like realizing like, okay, high crimes is, a, <laughs> yeah, high crimes is a book that like requires research in order to make it good because it is largely based in the real world. But yeah. Uh, welcome back. Not so much. And you know, that's why I set it in, uh, like it's mainly set in Kansas city. Cause I lived there for nine years and like there's references to Omaha cause, uh, I sort of, sort of quasi live there. Um, and then at one point we go to Atlanta, but that's because Jonathan lives there. So that kind of takes a lot of the research stuff off my plate for that book. <laughs> and then mostly it's like, what, what can I do? That's fun and neat. You mentioned uh, your artist, Jonathan Brandon Sawyer, a second ago. How did you guys hook up for this project? Uh, Boom put us together, uh, which I've had really good luck with Boom because my 
my other creator-owned book there, Dead Letters, they put me together with Chris Visions, who is amazing, and who, you know, we did, like, I think three issues of the book together before we ever actually met in person. <laughs> but luckily, like, we, we got along thick as thieves. And I didn't meet Jonathan until this past June, and we'd already you know, been working on it a while. And luckily, well, he was also my roommate in my room because uh, we were at a con. So uh, it's <laughs> so a good... Intimate knowledge. <laughs> yeah, but luckily, yeah, we totally got along together. Like, it would have been really awkward if we hadn't. Um, but yeah, Boom just sort of has this uh, amazing ability to find these really great artists and for whatever reason, like, offer me a crack at them. He's got a pretty great beard, too. I looked him up. Oh, does he? But his, I think his takes a lot of sculpting. It's It's got some odd shape to it. Okay, I can relate. I just kind of go for the point, but, you know, I mean, I can relate. Hey, let me ask you, you said you grew up in Kansas City and you, you're dropping a lot of music references in this latest book and they're mainly metal references. I'm a big metal guy. You talked about Thou. You talked about, I think you mentioned Cattle Decapitation. Were they in there? Uh, I can't remember. Well, Suddenly. Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember. Yeah. And when she's wearing some metal patches and I was like, oh my God, I know all these bands. <laughs> like, are you a yeah. metal head? Uh, no, that's actually, that's all Jonathan. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. Like <laughs> I couldn't tell you, uh, much about any of those bands. Jonathan started, you know, we, we started talking character stuff and, you know, he was like, no, I think like, uh, this would make sense for her, uh, coming where she's coming from. And he set up like this long elaborate playlist that sort of plays <laughs> off stuff. Her past lives would have listened to, cool. as well as, like, stuff. but yeah, he, uh, I think also Jonathan did it because like he contacts all the, so all the patches she's wearing, he's contacted the bands and gotten clearance from them to use those. Oh, that's great. That's cool. Uh, I'm a, yeah. I'm a huge metal guy. So I was like, Oh rad. That's awesome. Cause he's not yeah, naming yeah. lame stuff. He's naming like really cutting edge, terrifying. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I assume, like everybody seems to like those references and I'm just like, yep, we're pretty cool. Like I, <laughs> I've never listened to any of these bands. Like the only stuff I've listened to, this is a weird coincidence is that, uh, one of the patches is for a band called whip slash chains. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan had put that in there. Uh, and one of the, the drummer for whip slash chains is Ben Sears, who is a, uh, a comics artist. Um, oh, no sh who I am working on a book with, but like Jonathan didn't know any of that at the time. He didn't even know that Ben was in comics. So yeah, it was like this weird confluence where suddenly, uh, our comic and the real world came together in this weird mix. About as meta as it gets, I guess. Huh? Yeah, it's pretty close. <laughs> <laughs> now I saw that welcome back is listed as a four part series. I know you can't spoil too much about where everything's headed, but do you have plans for, for more when the series wraps up or is it just a very final ending? Uh, no, I would like to do more. It kind of depends on how well the book does, which I think it's doing pretty well right now. So fingers crossed beyond the story of like Molly and Tessa that I want to tell, you know, the whole setup just leaves it so open ended for stories to be told in this world. Well, yeah, they, uh, it definitely alludes to a number of other uh, reincarnated characters in that world other than the two mains yeah like theoretically you yeah. could write this for the rest of your life it seems yeah yeah exactly um which i wouldn't do that but you know i'd like, <laughs> I'd like to take you know a couple of years sort of uh digging through all this nice so we're not going to see welcome back issue 600 is what you're saying never say never okay <laughs> I, I gotta ask 
a lot of the characters that you write are female mm -hmm. and you go from writing very strong female characters to writing snake Plissken in the pages right. of escape from New York. Which one do you prefer? Do you prefer writing the heroine or like big macho man, Kurt Russell? God, they're, they're both so different. I'm in the middle of writing uh, an escape from the New York script right now. I don't know. There's, there's something very giddy making about writing for snake Plissken. Cause <laughs> what I tend to do is like when I, they send me the lettering proof, I'll go through and like cross out like every other line from snake. Cause I realize that I've overwritten him and he's just like a, a taciturn dude who right. doesn't speak unless he he wants he really wants to get something across. But you know, yeah, he's kind of a, a cipher in a way. So I mean, I, I definitely prefer working on my characters, which at this point like tend to be female, just because it's it's a way to sort of I don't know snap me out of a uh, being lazy. I guess I don't know. Like I am a white dude. I've grown up and lived all my life as a white dude, and like it's hard to get so away I, from that. <laughs> yeah, and I, I kind of, and I don't want to. One, I, I, it's like there's plenty of white dude stories out there. Like you know, uh, I don't need to throw another one on the pile. And two, like it, it just makes me, I don't know. It sort of makes me step back and and think harder about these things, about character stuff sure, and sure. development, because it's not like I can instantly just fall back on like, well, here's what I would do. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I just think it, it really helps me and it's more fun. You know, we've likened your writing to uh, Greg Rucka, who is also very famous for writing a lot of strong heroines. And it's funny in interviews, I've heard him say, not exactly you said, but similar, just say mm -hmm. like, look, I write about women because it's harder to do and I have to think about it more. Yeah. <laughs> you know, which is very cool. <laughs> What's next for you after welcome back wraps up? Uh, I've got, several things that are sort of in progress right now. I have, I have a couple books that I'm working on for Oni Press. I'm doing a couple things for Skybound. I've got an image book that's coming out next year. And then I'm working on some, I'm trying to get some work done on uh, some personal projects. I have this long running odyssey that I've been working on since, I don't know, um, forever. This, and it's mostly a prose book, but it's kind of a picture book too. And it's, really scaring the hell out of me but uh <laughs> and i'm gonna have to like kickstarter it and everything so that's a whole other level of uh fear oh boy. so yeah i'm just trying to challenge myself i guess like trying to get to some stuff that i've just been too afraid to uh like actually commit to and pull the trigger on so see what happens there it might be a horrible failure it might be the best thing i've ever done so oh, you midwestern kids listen to you jesus <laughs> <laughs> can't pump anything up certainly <laughs> oh no you can find mr sabella's work at finer comic shops everywhere or online at comicsology.com and monkeybraincomics.com chris thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today thanks for having me sort of, sort of break it sort of, break it down, down like down, this, down, this. And that is it for the Making an Enemy of Amazon episode of THN. If you're sweating a little because Amazon hosts your podcast episodes too, oh, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or TuneIn. And while you're there, you can leave us your star ratings, your reviews, a thumbs up, or a little heart because it helps us to connect with more of you potential listeners. Bezos, I'm not with him. If you're listening, <laughs> I'm not with him. Oh, great and mighty Bezos. <laughs> Heal my cries. <laughs> Thanks to all our donors, and if you want to help support THN, you can do so by clicking our PayPal button at 2 
If you want to become a sustaining member, it's as easy as clicking the Make This Donation Monthly box, and as little as a dollar a month really does help. If you're interested in sponsoring THN, we're probably going to need it after this episode airs and Amazon kicks us to the curb. <laughs> Shoot us an email with the subject line, Sponsorship. While you're there, you can find links to all of our contact info via Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, Skype, and Tumblr, where we post the weekly outtakes. And you can find the number for the Ziggurat Hotline, 402-819-4894. And don't forget to sign up for the THN forums. It's your little virtual piece of the Ziggurat. You can discuss this week's show. You can ask us to review your self-published comics. You can learn more about our segments and how you can be a part of them or kids. You can just be a nerd and talk about comics. If you dig the music you hear on the show, you can follow our soundtrack playlist on Spotify, not Apple Music. Nope. By searching for Matt Bomb's Spotify profile. Before we go, our weekly shout-out goes to our main man, Black Scorpion the Three, who made time to call in for the answer of the week on Thursday before rushing his wife to the hospital to give birth to Black Scorpion the Four. Word to the That's whole- dedication. That, and pff, that's poor fatherhood, is what that is. Word to the whole Black Scorpion clan. We hope the new burden doesn't get in the way of your answer of the week responsibilities, sir. Until next time, true believers, remember to pre-order your comics because your retailer might just choose to spend more time with their family if you don't. This is the Two-Headed Nerd, signing off.